Hey guys, welcome back to the Generation Alpha Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Fazio, where we bring you guys the best information on human body optimization and the top info on biohacking and bodybuilding. Today, my guest is Jamie Greenfield. Jamie spent the first part of her young career working for HBO, but soon realized that sitting in an office behind a desk and working for corporate America wasn't for her. She left her job and decided to spend the next few years traveling the world, studying different cultures and ethnicities, even deciding to become a flight attendant for a short time to give her access to all parts of the world. This helped her develop a unique worldview and mindset, which gave her a new idea of what she wanted from life. Dealing with PCOS, Jamie has transitioned into a health and wellness mindset, knowing that there had to be an alternative to healing her own body outside of the typical Western medicine idea. Jamie now preaches what she practices, helping others who deal with PCOS and other health issues by showing them the power of developing a holistic mindset, upgraded self-consciousness, and a better overall positive outlook on life. Jamie also is a self-made entrepreneur trying to help others to learn how to build residual income through also making a health impact in the world. She also helps teach people that you can make money, but also have personal freedom. Jamie, welcome to the show. Wow. What an intro. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. That was a mouthful. I love it. Um, I feel like you really got a pretty clear understanding about who I am and how I got here. So thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. We're excited to have you on the show. Um, you're definitely. So uh, quick um, little fact, you're actually my first uh, female guest. So um, <laughs> so no, no better person to have on for that. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, Jamie, um, a lot of people here might not know who you are. Just kind of explain to the audience about, you know, what you do, um, you know, how you got started doing where you're at now is this a little bit about yourself. So where you started out in your career, um, and just some quick facts about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I, um, started up a career at HBO in Manhattan. I'm from New York. There's any New Yorkers listening. Um, and I just quickly realized that corporate wasn't for me. Um, and I've always had this like very curious mindset, which is how I ended up in documentaries to begin with, because I've always just kind of questioned things. And that also included societal norms, which my parents were thrilled about. So I just realized that, you know, and this was while I was in college um, and I was still trying to find myself, right? As I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate if you're you know, in your early twenties, you're finding yourself. And I had an opportunity to study abroad, which I did. Um, and I came back and I realized like, I want to learn about myself through traveling. Right. So I did a complete 180, um, decided corporate normal, great job. Was it wasn't going to be my path basically. Um, and I was going to travel. I became a flight attendant for a very short time, like slightly over a year. And that was never going to be my career. Um, but it was just for me, it was like, I really wanted to figure out what I wanted out of life and how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. So um, I'm so glad that I did it really figured out who I was, but unfortunately during that time I got really sick. And so I have a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's a hormonal imbalance um, in women. And so certain environmental factors can uh, basically cause flare-ups in your symptoms. For example, inconsistency of sleeping, right? Especially with my schedule, I was up in the middle of the night all day, every day. Um, high levels of stress, which even if it's not mental stress, it's physical stress. So like I said, lack of sleep, 
um, different time zones. It's very, very hard for a female body to adjust to that if there's already complications going on and a lot of inflammation as well. Um, so I really just, I couldn't sustain it anymore. And I look back now and I was like, why did that happen? Like, could I have just pushed through? And I'm so glad that it happened the way it did um, because I realized that there was some healing that I needed to do. And I just got very interested in functional medicine and natural healing. Um, so I actually went through a program. I went through Integrative Institute for Nutrition where I learned a lot about the female body, but I, I knew I needed more information. Um, and I found this amazing program, functional health program and basically did their coaching uh, seminar, their training course for about like, it was a couple months, um, maybe four or six months. So I learned a lot and I kind of developed this entrepreneurial spirit where I, because I had a taste of traveling and I was like, okay, how can I add this into my life in a way that's not so much traveling where it's all the time, but like, I still have the option to do it. And I just knew that like, I wanted to work for myself. I, I just couldn't see myself working for someone else ever again. Um, if you guys know me at all, then you know, that's like very me. Yeah. So I, yeah, if Danny knows, yeah. we've only known each other for a few weeks. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of want to get into mindset real quick. So I'm going to backtrack with you here for just a second. Sure. Um, so you talked a lot about mindset real quick there. Yeah, you kind of glanced over it, but there is a, a huge part of that to what you just said. Um, and I feel like that's why it's so interesting to have you on the show. Um, talk about, first of all, how do you transition out of a corporate mindset into saying like, you know, like, fuck it, I'm just going to go travel the world. Like, how do you switch to that? Cause most people are like stuck in that mindset where they're like, I kind of wish I could do this, but like at the same time, like I'm too afraid. I mean, was it just because do you think this because you were younger and you like weren't afraid or, you know, what was it with you? Like, yeah, I, I um, I've always been different. And I think my parents will tell you, I've just always zigged when people zag always mm -hmm. like I was, I've always just been that way. And I've like, you could find me, like I we would go on vacations. I would just leave and just go talk to strangers at the bar. I was like five ordering my French fries while they're sipping on their martini talking yeah. to them. And I've just always been different in the sense of like, I just have always questioned like why we do these things and like, why are we just working to live and then going home and going to bed and why? And I just never understood that. And so when I landed HBO, I remember being like, well, if I could land HBO, I could pretty much do anything at this point. And I don't know if that was like an ignorance or if it was like me being naive, but I just thought like, okay, well, if that's what like the best is, then I don't want it. Like, that's not my version of like a fun life. Like, I just don't see that happening. Um, and I've always loved traveling. We were very blessed as kids. We would travel and I just realized like life is so short. And when I studied abroad, I feel like I was just, I learned so much about myself and not just about myself, about the world. Like you travel, you learn more than a history book will ever teach you. And I felt like I needed to learn more about like what I want in life. And I wanted to, I don't know. I just, I wasn't afraid to swim against the current. I just never really cared about what people think in that sense because people aren't happy. And that's kind of what I've compared it to. And I was like, okay, well, if this person that works for JP Morgan, that's making hundred grand, whatever, isn't happy, why the hell should I sacrifice it? Like, I'm okay to compromise my ego for what people will think versus true fulfillment. Um, right. And I got 
actually, interestingly enough, because everybody wanted free flights, all of a sudden people that never used to talk to me were like, oh my God, how are you? We're <laughs> yeah. not getting the free flights, but it's interesting because I thought people would be like, oh my gosh, what is this girl doing? But like, everyone was like, that is so fucking cool. And I would have people ask me like, how did yeah. you do it? Like, what did you, and it just happens. And I remember I was towards the end of college and I was like, mom, like, I don't know what to do, but like, I'm not, I can't work for a nine to five. I was like, I can't, like my soul can't do it. She was like, well, what do you think you're going to do? And I was like, I got to travel. And I actually was thinking about going into the yachting industry because I had watched the low deck. I'm still obsessed with that show. I love it. it. My mom was the one that suggested this idea. And I initially said, no, right. She had a friend. So my mom's a teacher. She had a friend that was a flight attendant for American. My mom was like asking her all of these questions. And I was like, mom, I'm not going to be a flight attendant. Like, there's just no way. I just didn't want to do it. I thought it was like too cool for it. But then I started learning about the perks of it. And I was like, hell yes. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I can just go to London on a weekend in my right. free time. Like, I'm in. And I applied. I literally got a call back that day. And I went to New Jersey from Connecticut. Uh, Cause United is based in, in Newark and I like landed it and I was like, let's go. I'm going to Houston for training for eight weeks. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a huge, that's a huge shift. I think just in total mindset. And like, like you said, I think there's a lot of people out there who live in like this constant, like, like they're trapped in the rat race. You know what I mean? Like they're constantly living in like this box and it's like anybody who can kind of, um, step outside of that box that can do things. Um, everybody who's kind of stuck inside of the fence, like kind of looks at that person on the outside and they're like, they're like, Oh, you know, like they don't, they don't even realize that everyone has the power, right? Everybody has the mindset. Everybody has the ability to do whatever they want to do. It's just that some people's mindsets are, they, they have an easier time. They would rather their life just be more simple and like, more straightforward than like taking a chance, taking a risk, because like to them, it's like that they think it's going to put more stress, but at the same time, they're like, they're envious of like what the person is doing outside of the fence. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, go ahead. Well, like I was just going to say that, you know, I think a lot of times too, is like, you might not even realize this, but like, I would think a lot of times when people do that, like you and you have all these people around you and they're like viewing that you'd be surprised how many people like that end up trying to step outside of the fence that may you might not even know about you might not even like knew but like they were just like watching you go out and live your life and it's like you don't even know any people that you're going to impact um down the line when you're doing those kind of things you could have changed somebody's life completely and like you don't you might not even know about it so i think that's like the powerful thing of like stepping outside being the being like the bull that breaks the fence right like i always compare it to like um like a group of like bulls stuck inside of like a fence and like a farm, right? It's like those, like these ox, like these bulls, like they're capable, like they can just easily break the fence if they wanted to, right? But it's like they're afraid to step outside of the fence because they've been stuck inside the fence their whole life. They don't know what's outside because they're comfortable with staying inside the fence. But it's like you get that one bull that breaks the fence and then like another bull like looks at it and it's like, well, I could step outside that same fence. Then I could, then the other one looks at it and like, I could step outside the same fence. So it's like, it takes like that one person with the mindset of like being able to crush the fence that you could actually end up changing somebody else's whole entire mindset on their life. So I think it's like a really powerful thing. What you did, what you talked about, you didn't even realize it probably when you were doing it, you were just doing it for yourself. But like, I think if more people 
took that opportunity, took that, took those chances. Like you can really change other people's lives too. You don't even realize it, you know? Yeah. I love that. And I think that like people crave security because what's comfortable is safe for you. And whether we realize it on a conscious or subconscious level, like you're constantly going back to things that make you feel comfortable because even if they're negative, because that feels safe to you. And I use this analogy and, and not to get too off topic, but it's relevant because even if you like go back to a toxic behavior that you want to outgrow, but you've grown up doing it for your whole life, that's considered comfortable and that's considered safe for you because you've gotten so used to it and so adjusted to it. And I always say to people like, this societal structure that we have is like killing us. Like literally it's killing us. And I talked a lot about that because people aren't, a lot of people, there are some people who are extremely fulfilled in what they do. And I think that's amazing. But there's also a lot of people that are like, well, what else would I do? And that's why you're right. Like showing them what's possible outside of that box, even if it's not something that they considered or, hey, like you don't have to be a flight attendant. There are other things that you could do that would enable you to step outside that box that maybe you would find fulfillment in. And so, yeah, I, I think that you're right that people are always watching your show and you just never know. Um, and that's yeah. why I would always encourage people to like reach out to me if you have questions, even if you're just curious. And I had a lot of people message me and they were curious. I don't know if they ever went through with, <laughs> I don't think so. Cause I never heard anything else. So, but yeah, hey, you, you never know. know. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, PCOS and when did you first start seeing um, symptoms uh, in your life starting to appear? Uh, so when did that start for you? And then what was your mindset? Like, where were you in life? Where were you like mindset wise when that started to happen? Did it um, shut you down for a period of time or did it like make you think I have to do something about this? I mean, where, where were you mindset wise and like what, what period of your life were you in when that started to happen? Oh my gosh. Well, I was like a teenager. I think I was like okay. 17 when I found out maybe 17 okay. and I wasn't getting a, a period. I was like, well, this mm. isn't normal. Um, I might've even been older actually, but maybe it was like 18. And I just remember being like, okay, well, this isn't normal. So that's why I got checked. And my mindset was, I didn't think it was a big deal. I wish that I had taken it more seriously then. Um, I just kept living my life. I just didn't care. And uh, it was also during a period, a really, really rough mental period, which I also think made my symptoms worse. My parents were in the middle of like a really bad divorce. And I'm such an empath that like, I absorb energy when other people are stressed. Like I am like so stressed. So like mentally it was just terrible. Um, because now I'm basically having these like mood swings that I can't explain. Now they're putting me on birth control. My mood swings are getting worse. And I was just like, not feeling right. And I wasn't feeling well. And I was also going through the divorce at home. So I pretty much just became an introvert, just like stopped talking to anybody for like a long period of time. Um, but I was also like, again, I was a teenager and like, I wasn't really fully understanding that PCOS can be managed properly. Like I just took the pills, I listened to them, but I was always questioning, like that can't be my solution. And I spoke about this to you before. It's like, okay, treat the, the root cause versus like the symptom. And I felt like birth control was treating the symptoms, not the root cause. So I always stayed open and curious about it. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, you're, you have to have a menstrual cycle. It puts you at risk for uterine cancer and a bunch of other complications. Um, and if your hormones are imbalanced, like you're obviously going to be imbalanced mentally as well. 
and the mental effects were exhausting. I'm very blessed now that like, I'm in a completely, completely different headspace. I'm also not nearly as hormonal as I was when I was like, what, 15, 16. Um, so there was just a lot of factors yet, but it was just like a really, really tough period in my life. And, um, I just wanted answers. I was just super frustrated. And I just wanted answers. And I had just constantly be going on and off birth control. Cause like, I was like being told that I had to do it, but nobody had any other options for me. So then I was resistant towards it and I would like stop it secretly. Um, and then fortunately, like in my twenties, I had started doing more research and I found a program called nutrition dynamic where guys recommend them to anybody going with, uh, going through hormonal imbalances. And I was like very hopeful for the first time. So. Yeah. I mean, I think like there's so many girls, right. Too, that are just put on birth control at such a young age now. And they're not even really sure why. And like, you know, I've, I've, I've had girls come to me, uh, for coaching and stuff who are literally on birth control and, you know, and ask them why. And, they literally, they're, they're like, I get this answer so often. And it's like, so many girls are in birth control just because they don't want to have a period simply like, and that's, yeah. I mean, cause it's like, you know, obviously like hormones are such a vital piece of balancing the body, right. Of staying in homeostasis of, um, you know, making sure that our body's able to function like it's supposed to. And like, once you start adding things in that kind of throws that cycle off, the body starts trying to balance itself out instead of doing other things that it needs to be doing, uh, metabolic wise, um, you know, stuff, we you know, where the, where the brain is not operate becomes to stop, stop operating at a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Cause it's trying to manage all these other aspects of, cause it's trying to, it's trying to rebalance the hormones outside of the body. So it's struggling. It's working overtime to do that because you're trying to throw it off. So therefore it's, it's kind of lacking on these other ends of things that it's supposed to do, um, inside the body that are so important to our health and longevity. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's definitely like very unique perspective that you have, like, cause you obviously realize that like, you know, really early on that this is not going to help me long-term down the line of my life, where I think most people struggle with developing that idea, right? Most people are just like, I'm just going to take whatever my doctor tells me to take, I'm going to shut up. I'm just going to take it and how I feel is how I feel. And I'll just complain about it. Um, and I'll just kind of live as like the victim of my life instead of trying to, um, be proactive and trying to do something about it. So explain to people kind of how you can switch off that idea of like the victim mindset. And just, cause it seems like you've really overcome that, right? Because you're definitely don't have that mindset at all. Um, you know, I can, I can say personally, like, I know for a fact that like, you are like, you're like, you're like worried if you complain or say one thing about like something that's going on you're like, Oh, I don't want to see, you know, I want to seem like this, or I don't want to sound like that. Like you're always trying to be proactive about like how you're dealing with something. And you're always trying to look at like the positive benefits of the positive outlook of what's going on. Um, so explain to people how, if they're dealing or struggling with a preexisting condition or, um, you know, an autoimmune disease, you know, talk to people about maybe how they can, what they can ask themselves, things they can do to kind of switch themselves out of that victim mindset, maybe if they're stuck in that. Yeah, I love that. And I think like the, the first and most important step is to not identify with it. I don't identify with it. I don't let it define me. And it's not like, hi, I'm Jamie with PCOS, right? Like 
that's not a conversation I would have. Thank God. And so I think like separating your identity from what you're going through is important, whether it's medical or maybe you're just going through a rough time right now, right? You're not someone with anxiety. You are you, and sometimes you have anxious thoughts. And that's kind of how I look at illness, right? And so I think that's step one is don't identify with it. And step two, be proactive. What can you do? What research can you do on your own, right? Are you willing to invest in functional medicine and outside practices? Like these are questions that I asked myself and I've invested over 25 grand at this point into my own health. I'm not kidding. Um, so I wasn't messing around. I was determined. I, I had that mindset of, I was determined. So the other thing I will say is it's important too to understand that doctors have a place, but they are not God and they cannot necessarily tell you other possible cures that they're not familiar with. A lot of them are trained to prescribe a pill for this problem. And I'm not bashing doctors. My dad is a doctor. I have utmost respect for doctors. Okay. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are other alternative solutions most of the time. And I was always very aware of that and seeking that. Um, and so I think just having an open mind and being proactive is so important and also focusing on the gratitude. And I could have said, oh my gosh, yes, I have this condition, but God, thank God I'm not suffering from a terminal illness. Or what if, imagine if I had something that was affecting my cognitive performance, right? So what good can I focus on? Um, and then I also was like, finding a community is so important to you guys, but the right community, because let me tell you right now, there are so many PCOS Facebook groups and all of them are complaining. A lot of them. I would say all of them actually. And I was, I'm just going to be honest. I'd say all of them. They're just complaining. I was like, oh my God, literally muted all of the notifications. And I created my own Facebook group of PCOS that was around positivity, things that we could focus on supportive information. Like if someone wanted to vent, I get that, but it wasn't just like full of people just complaining because that negative cycle is going to split. Like it's just, it's a downward spiral. So I think plugging yourself into a supportive community, whether they have your condition or not, just in general, focusing on the gratitude and having a, an expansion mindset and okay, well, what are my options? I literally remember making a list of pros and cons. What can I do? Pros, there has to be functional medicine out there that is dealing with this conditioner that specializes cons all have to be on birth control for the rest of my life. Okay. Well, what would that actually look like if I was on birth control? Is it that bad? Right. I was going through all these things, but I was just determined. Um, so if you are someone who is experiencing an illness or a condition, I'm not here to discredit how you feel. I understand the frustration, but I also am here to encourage you and let you know that doesn't have to be who you are. If you don't want it to be, it's up to you. Yeah, because I think a lot of autoimmune diseases and pre-existing conditions too are also lifestyle-based too, right? I mean, like right. a lot of the way, I mean, like you see, that's huge. It's a huge part of, and it's like, you know, a lot of people like will sit there and like they're eating a bag of Cheetos and complaining about their pre-existing condition and like how they, yeah. how it makes them feel. And, you know, I'm not hating on Cheetos, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, this isn't, <laughs> if you want to exactly. eat a bag of Cheetos, do you? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that, but like, um, I, all I'm saying is like, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I've come across some really um, amazing individuals um, in my life uh, who struggle with pre-existing conditions or um, autoimmune diseases. I mean, you being one of those people, um, you know, who kind of 
had this overlook of like, okay, I'm not going to sit there and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and take this and just suffer and just, you know, struggle with this for the rest of my life and just listen to my doctor and like have him just, just prescribe whatever I think it should take, even though it really doesn't make me feel any better. Um, you know, and I'm just going to sit here and kind of complain about it and I'm just going to let it run my life. Um, you know, whereas, you know, I've met some really amazing people, uh, like yourself who say like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to take control of making myself the most optimal version possible because, you know, um, I might not be able to ever get rid of or stop, you know, what this is, but I can overcome pretty much everything that it causes to happen inside my body because I'm taking my health to such an extreme. You know, I'm taking my body to such a serious level that I'm, you know, making sure that I'm optimizing each and every part of my health to make sure that I'm not experiencing what I could be experiencing so that my life stays optimized, my ability to do things that other people with my, you know, my condition might not be able to do. Um, because the fact that I've taken this step to um, overcome, you know, w- and not let it define me, like you said, I think that's a huge piece, like is not letting something define you, right? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I will admit that like in the early stages, as determined as I was, I was still not eating well and I was still super stressed out because like nobody had right. that conversation with me of like, hey, like how was your diet? And like, I never ate protein. I was just basically ate carbs. Like I've always, always gravitated more towards carbs. And I just, we ate like a very traditional American diet in our family. Like my mom tried to be healthy for us to be healthy, but for whatever reason, like we just weren't having it as kids. I, so. I, I ate McDonald's as a kid. Like it's all, yeah, like it's, <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. yeah. So. It's yeah. now that I'm in this phase in my adult life where like, I just really am like always thinking about my future and like, what am I doing now is going to impact me in five years. And like, now I am long-term thinking of like, well, what if I want to have a family? Like, how, what can I be doing to like, ensure that I not only am a good example, but like increase my chances of fertility. Cause like they ought, everything matters. So right. I just look at health from such a different standpoint now, whereas like I look at it as I'm grateful to have access to these coaches and mentors where in the past I resisted them. And I was like Mm. resentful that I had to work with them or like I would spend the money and do it, but I never surrendered to the process because I was frustrated that I had to do it. Now it's a totally different scenario where I'm like, it's because I'm investing in these mentors and coaches that like, I have to to surrender to the process. And I'm grateful that I get to, because part of that surrender is going to heal me that letting go that like less stress is going to help. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, everything you're saying, is like just so true. But um, another thing I want to ask you is, do you feel like a lot of pre-existing conditions that people are diagnosed with, do you feel like a lot of times, sometimes people are misdiagnosed and that they're kind of struggling and they kind of almost develop a mindset where they're like, they're struggling or do you feel like that's not common? Because I feel like I've seen some people who are possibly misdiagnosed with certain pre-existing conditions and they come to me for coaching and I'm like, I just don't, I, I just think it was more lifestyle based. Like, I don't think they were actually struggling with the pre existing condition, but the doctors kind of just like people who were doing their testing couldn't really um, run enough tests to make an accurate assessment. So they just kind of give them this diagnosis and they're just like, this is the last thing I can basically come up with of why you're feeling this way. When in reality, they're not even taking a look at like, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? Um, you know, are you managing your supplements? Are you managing your micronutrition, which we're going to get into here in a little bit? 
Um, you know, are you, are you managing all these variables in your life correctly? Or are you just kind of like, or are you only sleeping three hours a night? Or are you only like, you know, there's all kinds of different variables and factors that can play into why somebody may be experiencing pain here or there. And it's like, I feel like a lot of times like people, especially like the medical community, if they, if they're not really in depth into their patients' lives, um, they just want to skip ahead to like this other step instead of to try to look and track every single thing. Do you feel like it's common or do you feel like it's not common? For me, it's kind of hard to say. Um, yeah. I, I would say that it's probably common. I have heard of a couple of scenarios where like that did happen, but like, it's so outside of my scope that right. I, I think that a lot of lifestyle factors cause symptoms of things that could be overlapping with existing conditions. And so right. I think this line could get very blurry there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen things like fibromyalgia, those kind of things um, that tend to be like, I've had people come to see me, um, you know, for, they were like, they come to see me and they're like, oh, I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Right. And um, I'm just like, and then I'll tell them, be like, can you just, can you walk for me? Can you walk like in a straight line for me? And they walk and I'm like, I'm like, look at how their feet move on the floor and how their back's positioned. And I'm like, well, what was the, how, how did you guys come to the conclusion that you had fibromyalgia? And they're like, well, I just had this symptom and that symptom and this symptom and that symptom. And so my doctor kind of like put it all together and, you know, and they kind of came to the conclusion that I most likely have fibromyalgia. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a difference between most likely having something and actually having something. And I realize I'm like, in reality, it's just because of the way that they're actually walking, the way that they're moving their feet onto the floor in conjunction with their body. I fix their biomechanics, teach them how to walk correctly, um, take the pressure off their lower back, um, you know, take the pressure off their spine, um, fix all that, fix, uh, you know, adjust them back to the way they're supposed to be moving. And all of a sudden the pain starts to disappear. They thought that it was being caused by a preexisting condition. When in reality, it wasn't it at all. It was just because of the fact that they weren't moving in the correct pattern they should be. So that's just like that. That's the sort of things that I've seen. Like sometimes I feel like some of those some of those things are misdiagnosed, and like people need to make sure that like you go through every facet of your life trying to figure out before you come to the conclusion of like this is what's causing it. Make sure that like you know for a hundred percent fact that's what it is before you like give up to that, right? Yeah, I agree. And like, that's why I always say get a second opinion as well. Like don't oh, yeah. be afraid to just like take that as like a final answer. Um, definitely get a second opinion and do your own research as well. Obviously right. like Google doesn't have all the answers and like it could get a little crazy because you have the people, you know, you'll be like, I have the headache and it's like, you're going to die. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an, do you have an aneurysm? <laughs> like, yeah. So like, I got a headache. It's like, oh, it's, it'd be like saying like possibly, oh, I think I have an aneurysm. You know what I mean? Yeah, in reality, yeah. like you just didn't drink enough water. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I always say just like get a second opinion, but yeah, yeah. Um, focus on what you can control and be proactive is really the key here with any of it. Right. Um, let's kind of break into the space of, um, you know, where you're at now in your career. So ex- explain to people kind of um, what you're doing now. Um, and sort of how you got into the entrepreneurial space that you're working inside of now and, and, and kind of how sort of all this kind of led into that. How it ties, yeah. yeah. So when I got really sick from flying, I came home and I 
had that entrepreneurial spirit and was on a quest to solve my PCOS. And while I was healing myself, I was learning so much about it that I realized like, Hey, I can do something with this and help so many women with this. So I started a business, my own coaching program. I invested $10,000 into mentorship on how to start a business online. Um, and it did so well. And I had clients literally that were told that they couldn't get pregnant, got pregnant, two of them, actually, Jenna, if you're, oh, I don't know if you'd be listening to this, um, Jenna, if you're listening, subscribe, Jenna. Um, so I, I started this business and this movement in the area. And like, I was getting like a lot of traction that it was almost kind of like scary. Cause I'm like, okay, wait, like I'm not a doctor. And people were like writing articles about me, like, oh, there's this girl that says she can like heal people, but like, she's not a doctor. And I was like, okay, like, why, like, what can I legally do here? And like, right. what is like crossing the line? Um, but the reality is I just, again, same problem, like because of the struck guys, first of all, to start your own business, I don't think people understand. Like there's, a, yes, it's a great idea. The amount of work and the amount of hours that you need to spend wearing all of the different hats caused me to have flare-ups again. And then I lost my period oh. again, right? Cause I was working 18 hour days, constantly stressed. I had to be the lead generator, the salesperson, the coach, the tax accountant, like all of the hats and someone with my condition, like just shouldn't be under that much stress at all. Right. So I was like, Oh, here we go. I was like, all right, well now what? And so while I was figuring this out, I ended up working as a business coach for online fitness professionals, helping them scale their business. Like I did. And I had a friend that I met in business school, Jake Havron, who had partnered with Asagenics. Um, and he's someone that I just really, really well-respected and trusted. And I realized, oh my gosh, like, first of all, health is such a big part of what I do and who I am as a person. And it's a huge part of like my values and my identity, but also I can, I have such a network of health professionals and all of them are using different supplements and products. Imagine if we could start a movement where we're all in the same one. And then we can not only help our clients, but also we can earn an income together. And I also realized, cause I had been in network marketing years ago, it was, you know, I had been in network marketing years ago, but I was in a very different business model with like totally different, totally different products that I couldn't really see myself really passionately sharing. And for me, if it's like, if it's not an alignment that I don't think this could really help someone, I can't, yeah. I'm not going to talk about it. Cause it's just like, my reputation is so important to me and I just won't. So when I really started doing the research on Isogenics and the actual product line, like the health behind, like the, the research behind the so product. Pause for just a second. Explain to people kind of what Isogenics is um, just so they understand. Cause like, yeah, you skim right over that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Thank you for call, for pointing that out. So uh, Isogenics is a health and wellness company that's been around since 2002. Um, it's a privately owned company and I had heard of it years ago. But they launched basically an entire new structure um, called Isogenics 2.0, where really the four main pillars are uh, managing stress, managing inflammation, micronutrition, and sleep. And so that really aligned with my values because I, from learning so much about the human body and human experience, I realized that all of those four pillars play such a vital role, right, in our well being. Right. And so um, I knew instantly just from getting on the phone with, you know, the higher ups in the company that this was like a forever home. And I just was like, I'm going to take this and run with this because for two reasons, number one, I'm extremely entrepreneurial and 
I love network marketing for several reasons, but one of them is because you are your own boss. You have the structure of a, of a company. You basically get to use all of their assets, but make it whatever you want it to be. And I was like, mm -hmm. I, I just remember being like so excited. Like I couldn't sleep that night. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, like this all makes sense. Why other things didn't work out for me. Now I don't have to be as stressed out. I could probably quadruple my impact. And, and cause I think impact is your income. Your income is your impact. And that's a whole other conversation. But I think the more money that you make, the more people you can help. And it's selfish for you not to want to make a lot of money. So that was always one of my goals is I knew I wanted to make a shit ton of money because there's a lot of good that I want to do with it. And so I was like, okay, like I'm onto something here because I genuinely feel like these products can help so many people. And I beta tested. I got a couple of trainers that I used to coach on the business front, having it with their clients. Their clients were loving the whole blends, which is a product that we have that's all organic raw vegetables and a protein powder. First of all, I've never seen a protein powder that has organic raw vegetables in it, number one. Number two, because of what I know about hormone imbalances, disease, well-being, how important micronutrition is, I'm like, everybody should be on this regardless of if they have something or not, right? So I found products that really resonated with me that resonate with my values. And I started sharing it with health professionals. And that's really my prerogative now is to help people build an additional revenue stream through these nutritional products and also help anyone with the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I work with personal trainers. I work with doctors. I work with salon owners now that we have the release of the high potency collagen elixir. So really our prerogative is to just get this out into the health space um, and generate an additional revenue stream through doing that. Yeah. We're going to get into all that here in just a minute. Um, I want to backtrack though here for just a second and go back into what you said about micronutrition because I said I was going to bring that up. So explain to people sort of the difference between micronutrition and macronutrition, uh, what the difference is. A lot of people know what macros are, right? They know what macronutrients are, proteins, fats, and carbs. It's the number one thing you hear. You know, there's all these uh, diet uh, models that are based around, you know, if it fits your macros, diet, um, macro dieting, you know, all, there's like certifications now where it's called like, uh, there's a certification out there, a nutrition certification that's like um, something like macros and it's like um, becoming popular. So I don't know, it's like a lot of like, in you know, I, IG coaches, you know, Instagram coaches, you know, fitness coaches all preach like the macronutrition diet micronutrition is something that's often overlooked in not only just, you know, the health and wellness space, but the bodybuilding space, the athletic space. Um, you know, it's really only focused on the people who really know what they're talking about. Um, I think the first person that I really, that really brought micronutrition to my eyes was a man named Stan Efferding. Um, they call him the white rhino because he was like the first, uh, pro powerlifter, pro bodybuilder at the same time. No one else has ever done that. Still to this day, no one's achieved like pro powerlifting status and also become a pro bodybuilder. Um, so Stan has a really long history of working with all different kinds of pro athletes, uh, football players, um, you know, um, NFL players, NBA players. Um, now he's working with uh, John Jones. If you watch UFC, he's working with John Jones right now in his camp and his return back to the UFC. Um, so Stan's got a really long list of people that he's really, really smart guy. So, um, if you guys are interested in learning more about like the in-depth micronutrition aspect, like I guarantee, like I suggest you go and listen to one of his podcasts. He's like truly amazing, but I want you to kind of, um, 
take like just a quick, just a quick few minutes to kind of explain the difference between micronutrition and macronutrition and why that's so important. Um, yeah. and why micronutrition is important as well. Oh this is like one of my favorite things to talk about because I had right. <laughs> the background of working with online personal trainers and macronutrients are the essential, um, nutrients that your body needs to survive, right? We have proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. And that's often when you hear like, well, fats have nine calories per gram and carbs have four calories per gram. They're talking about a way of like measuring your food content. Micros are the micronutrients that comes from the vitamins and minerals in your food. So a macronutrient would be a potato. A micronutrient would be vitamin A, right? And so micronutrients are the essential parts of our macronutrients that we need for disease prevention, energy, vitality, um, organ function, right? Like all the different, basically to help your body function. Antioxidants, yeah. Antioxidants, oh my God, so powerful um, to lower inflammation, right? So these are essential and they're so overlooked. And I can't even tell you how many like bro science trainers that would just give their clients like chicken and broccoli, chicken and broccoli, but they were missing such an array of nutrients from like grapes and, and sweet potatoes and onions, right? The yellow vegetables, they all have a different purpose. And so micronutrition is just such an important part of the body and like our everyday experience, especially with energy is a huge one that I noticed since really focusing on micronutrients, my energy levels went up significantly. Um, and I also think that's why a lot of vegans who do report, they have more energy. It's because they're also just getting a lot more micros. I do believe that. Um, so micronutrients are really like the essentials of what you need to thrive for your body to function properly. Um, and to keep your body healthy and to keep your brain healthy as well. It's really important, especially when you think about inflammation and how that's the precursor to all diseases, most diseases, um, and what micronutrients can provide to lower that and keep that in check is important to know. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I'm not really sure why it's such a, you know, a huge overlooked aspect. I think it's just because it's like, there's a lot more information there in that space. And I think it's, what do you, you, go ahead. Yeah. I, was, I think it's we're such a culture that's based on weight loss that like nobody cares. Mm, that's true too. Yeah. Not talked about enough. Cause everyone's like, Oh, but when you even hear about macronutrients, it's usually in the context of weight loss. It's like, here are your macros. hundred percent. grams protein, well, whatever. Right. Like that's how I found it. I, that's how I was introduced to the macronutrient world. Nobody ever told me to track my micros or like, make sure you get vegetables. It was like, okay, this is how much protein you need. This is how many carbs, this is how many fats. Especially you could probably relate coming from your bodybuilding Instagram. Oh my God. So many stories of just people like so messed up after shows. So many girls so messed up after shows, especially women seem to be get way more messed up um, from depletion of micronutrients. Men tend to bounce back a little more. I think it's because of the PED use in men's bodybuilding versus women's there. Trust me though. There, there's plenty of PED use, PED use in women's bodybuilding. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that there isn't They're They're very like, even down to like the bikini division. Now they're all enhanced. Um, but like, I think for some reason, like women's bodies have a harder time bouncing back from that depletion stage because it seems like their hormones go so far out of whack, um, rather than, uh, the men's side, the men, I can usually bring them back relatively pretty easy. Uh, women, I have to usually like work a little bit harder trying to find the root cause of what's actually, you know, blood work wise, what's, what was, you know, shut down there. Cause I've seen people like their th- whole thyroid is shut down because of the fact that 
they were just living off of the tilapia and broccoli diet. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not shitting on broccoli. I'm not saying that broccoli is like a terrible food yeah, that you shouldn't table. eat it, <laughs> but it is like, I, I, I take a lot of people off broccoli. Um, just because it's a, you know, it's, I see it's like a, it's a, a gassier vegetable. It's going to cause more gas put up inside of the gut, uh, which is going to cause bad digestion. It's going to have you to have a higher discomfort rate, which is not what we're looking for, especially when we're trying to keep a small tapered waist, right? Like that's the most important thing in bodybuilding is to keep like a small tapered waist for aesthetic purposes. So when we're adding in foods like broccoli and spin and raw spinach and these kind of things, it's creating a lot of gas build up inside the gut. So the problem with the tilapia and broccoli diet, where it's, and it really, it's, it's, it's chicken. It's all that, like, um, these people, like they're all focused, like you said, so drastically on just losing the weight and trying to get in like this really, really, really lean condition that they're sacrificing all of these variables on the outside of like micronutrition, especially because, and then like, what happens like a week out from the show, you get sick. Um, I've been there. I've done that. Um, my second show ever, I would got, I got caught up with like the flu, like three weeks out two two and a half weeks out I had to drop out because it was so sick. Um, and that's ha- that happens to so many people, um, as they're like going up into a show is like, they so depleted of everything antioxidant wise, uh, vitamin wise, they have no immune system defense. Um, their body's hormones start to shut down, um, because they don't have anything supporting them. They have no healthy cholesterol levels. They have no, uh, vitamin B levels, vitamin D is so significantly depleted that their insulin resistance becomes, you know, almost non-existent, you know, or their insulin resistance becomes really high and their insulin levels become non-existent because, and when they try to go back to eating carbs and eating like this diet that their body is not used to after the show's over, what happens? They go, they blow up. Right. And they like feel just, they feel terrible. They're like, I'm putting on, you know, I put on 10 pounds of fat, you know, and like the week after my show, 15 pounds, I put on 15 pounds in a week. And I'm like, what's well, it's because you shut your body down so heavily. Right. It's like you depleted it of all these nutrients that it so vitally needs to operate. And like, so talk a little bit about why vitamins are so important for um, keeping the body functioning at a higher rate and why it's actually more beneficial to keep those in for fat loss, which is obviously the goal, right? The goal is never for most people is not actually weight loss. It's fat loss, right? So like talk a little bit about why keeping vitamins in is so drastically important instead of taking them out for fat loss. So instead of doing things like just chicken and tilapia and like some of these, the, the, all these foods that are so micronutrient depleted. Why is that almost like more detrimental long-term than trying to keep micronutrition at a higher rate? Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with inflammation in the body, like micronutrients and antioxidants serve such a purpose that like, even if someone's just eating tilapia and broccoli, like they're, if actually, I guess, I guess here's the thing. My approach is honest. Like you can lose weight. If you're in a calorie deficit, you can probably lose weight from anything. If there's other complications, like for example, women with PCOS, they have a really hard time losing weight in general. Vitamin D plays a vital role in that, right? Like you just spoke about vitamin D, it's going to go throw off your metabolic um, function in the body. So it's really important that you get vitamin D, but when there's other complications involved, you have high levels of inflammation in the body. And so micronutrients are really like their main purpose is to make sure that the inflammation is down and that everything's able to communicate properly 
Um, but also for energy levels as well, I think it's a real thing. And, you know, even if bodybuilders are just eating chicken and tilapia, they're going to be energetically drained because micronutrients provide energy to your cells. That's what they do. So I think that the energy just in terms of performance can also affect your weight loss and your performance in the gym, which is going to ultimately determine how much weight you're losing, right? How are your workouts? So I think that it's kind of twofold. Um, because you're going to get the bro science people saying, yeah, you can lose weight if you're in a caloric deficit. That's but, true. But, but what's the, what's the solution long-term, right? That's such a finite way of thinking. What is the infinite way of thinking that you're not thinking past that, 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 like that yeah. short-term belief, right? It's something we talked about like yesterday, um, you know, of like these people are so stuck on like this, this goal, right? They're so stuck on a short-term goal that they're like, okay, let's just get here. They're not thinking about especially it's something I have to do with bodybuilders all the time. It's like trying to get them to think past the show that they're getting ready for. Right. Well, you're not, you're not, you're not risking your whole life to win regionals, right? That's not your goal. Your goal is to get to the Mr. Olympia stage five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever that is. So why aren't we thinking more towards that goal? So how is my body, how am I going to set up my body to respond at a higher rate after this show's over. So how are we going to make sure the body's set up to like, when this show's over, I'm ready to kick back into like full gear. So I'm ready to jump back into like um, performing at a hundred percent, even after this show's over, where like most people like they do a show and they're like shut down so bad that it takes them like four or five weeks just to kind of like build back up. And now like they could have been in another show after yeah. that, they could have jumped in nationals two weeks later. They could have maybe went for their pro card. They maybe could have been two steps closer to their goal. The problem is they focus so you know finite on that one short-term goal of like just being focused on this show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I agree with you. And like that's kind of I, I think for a lot of people, until something happens to them, it's not on their radar. That was right. the case for me. And I think that unfortunately it takes a lot of drastic events for them to realize, okay, like what I'm doing isn't working or like this is not benefiting me anymore. Um, and that's kind of the perspective that I look at it from, but yeah, I think even just, especially with COVID now, like if fat loss is your only goal, like that's a problem. <laughs> like, right, exactly. We yeah. are now in a world where you realize that doesn't discriminate against anybody and you need to be prepared for that. And that's why I actually joined Isogenics during COVID. I purposely wanted to partner with a health and wellness company, not a fat loss company that was just mm-hmm. like pushing fat like that's not my style that actually cared about like disease prevention well-being like your mental clarity your cognitive function and performance like those things matter um and also even from like a blood sugar standpoint too like you asked me before like your micronutrients it all plays a vital role in your blood sugar levels as Mm -hmm. well so that does affect your fat loss right right so there's a lot of key components um but i just look at it like this is the real medicine comes from the nutrition of what you eat. That's the ultimate medicine. I know we've been talking for a while and I know you got to go here soon, but um, let's kind of touch on collagen real quick, if you can, um, the last few minutes because of how important it is um, inside the human body. Um, Cause I know it's something you're really passionate about right now. And I want you to have a chance to kind of talk about, you know, why most collagen out there, why most collagen products out there uh, that are made for collagen supplementation are ineffective and uh, what causes them to be ineffective versus what does the body actually look for and need when you're looking for collagen supplementation? What are the differences there and sort of why it's so important to have collagen supplementation in our lives? 
I love it. Collagen, guys, I'm sure you've been hearing collagen is, is everybody's talking about collagen. It's everywhere. Um, and so collagen, for those of you who don't know, collagen is a really, really abundant um, protein in our bodies. Okay. And we all have it from when we're born, but as you age, you lose it less and less and less of a percent, right. As you age. And so collagen has so many functions in the body, but in the aesthetical world, um, your skin elasticity, your fine lines and wrinkles, your dark circles, right. Cause it's the thinning of the skin, um, the hydration and pigmentation in your skin, your hair, your nails, your joints, right. There's so many, um, functions that collagen serves as a purpose to, to help. But what I've learned is that collagen is not created equal, um, through learning. And so actually there's a lot of different kinds of collagen, but let's for the sake, just focus on powder versus liquid alone. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been down the grocery store aisle, right? The laundry detergent aisle and you smell right. the laundry detergents, right? Yeah. And you ask yourself, okay, well, it's tightly sealed. Why can I smell that? Right. That's a perfect example of oxidation, which is a gas exchange. So whether it's powder or whether it's in plastic, there's going to be a gas exchange that's able to go through the product because of the sourcing and the way that it's packaged and processed. So number one, when you go for collagen, you never want to get powder and you never want it in plastic packaging. Okay. Those are two red flags. The other problem with that is that it's going to have preservatives in it. If it's in a box or a bag or a container that's constantly being opened and closed, um, there's going to be preservatives in there, right. To maintain its, its potency, uh, which is ultimately going to affect its potency and its bioavailability, which ruins the integrity of the product. So you want to go for liquid collagen and you want to go for collagen. That's in individually sealed glass containers, not individually sealed, uh, plastic containers, glass, because we just learned that plastic has high oxidation, which is a high gas exchange, which ruins the integrity of the product, which means it's not going to be as potent. Um, and so Isogenics actually released a type one marine collagen, marine collagen is very, very, very close to human collagen in terms of like its DNA structure. So I dare you to go out into the market now, um, and you'll look at any collagen product. You're going to either see bovine or like chicken neck, or like it's type two, it's basically throwing your product in the trash because we don't have DNA that's closely structured in terms of our collagen structure. We have closer to marine, right? So these are little things that I've learned. And actually, I've actually used a couple of different collagen products in the past and I never got results from them. I never felt any different or like saw any difference or anything like that. But, you know, marketing, I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing something good for my body. So let me just keep throwing my money down the toilet. Right. Um, and then they released this collagen product and I saw results in, like instantly. Like, I'm sure you can literally see my face right now. I was like glowing. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll testify to that. But. Oh, it's, <laughs> okay. it's yeah. <laughs> and another difference I think for me that was huge, especially having PCOS, is like I used to deal with hair loss. Um, we can't make any claims, right, for compliance, but I've definitely gotten seen, noticed thicker hair, um, which is huge. And I actually have a lot of my PCOS clients uh, consuming the collagen. So there's literally nobody that can't benefit from this. But when I saw what this was doing for people, including myself, I decided that like everyone needs to know about this. And so now we're partnering with a lot of health professionals. My dentist is interested, <laughs> random, but collagen also affects your, jo uh, your gum health for those of you who didn't know. Um, but it's just a very high potency, very bioavailable. It's processed in Norway on site in 0.015 seconds. So there's literally no gas exchange or preservatives. 
And that's why it's so potent, right? There, there's a direct relationship um, because the gas exchange and preservatives is going to lo lose that integrity. And you also want to look for a collagen that has vitamin C in it as well, because if there's vitamin C, it increases the bioavailability up to, I think, 6.2%. Got to get those numbers, um, which is essential. So it's one of the best, I would say the best product I've ever tried in terms of any supplement ever in my life that I actually felt like was giving me results that I could see and I could feel. So it's huge. There's aloe in it as well. So for those of you who are interested in gut health, um, there's just a lot of benefits all around, but it's just a phenomenal product. Powerful statement. I like it. Um, yeah, that was a great uh, explanation. I know you do like a really great job uh, describing it over me. So <laughs> I I, like, yeah. I, you guys don't have, know how many conversations I have. She's very passionate on. about the collagen. So I know you do a great job at explaining everything. Um, Jamie, thank you so much. I know you don't have much time left. Um, so I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, really enjoyed our interview today. Um, I feel like you provided a lot of great insight and I'm so glad that you were my first female guest ever on the show. Um, so exciting. <laughs> and I uh, hope to have you back on at some point here um, in the future. So um, guys, if you... Um, like the show, just make sure to remember to subscribe, leave a review down below, and give me that rating um, on the page. And as always, guys, remember to always be yourself, stay strong, and I will check you guys next week. Later, guys. Bye.